Monday to each and every one of you. It is a military Monday here on the EP podcast, and we are celebrating a very special, very important anniversary in the world's history that has to do with the military. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, but hello once again. Thanks for joining me. I'm Austin Horton. Thanks for uh, tuning in, uh, clicking on, subscribing, rating, reviewing, sharing. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much. Continue to share that uh, link, share this podcast out with your friends and family. Let me uh, see what they think, see if they want to give me a chance and give me a try, and would love to have them be part of the EP Podcast family. Uh, Busy, busy weekend. Hopefully you were able to all celebrate Mother's Day in a safe and appropriate, responsible way. We got the opportunity to see both my mother and my wife's mother, and that was very important and very special, uh, and we appreciate uh, everyone that... uh, serves as a mother or a mother figure in this world. You don't you don't have to have given birth to a child to be a mother. Uh, really, I, I consider Mother's Day uh, Women's Day, really, because it, not every woman uh, gets to be or wants to be uh, a specifically defined mother. But I, I believe in the sanctity and, and divinehood of, of uh, womanhood, uh, divinity of womanhood. I think to the ability to bring life into this world is uh, an incredible gift and a beautiful miracle. And uh, I, I, I salute all mothers and women all over everywhere. And to those who uh, have either lost a child as a mother or who have lost a mother as a child, uh, my heart goes out to you and I love you and I appreciate you. So hopefully you had a good weekend. Uh, holiday weekends make for busy weekends. So there wasn't too much relaxing and laying about. Uh, although I, I did get to, I got up early Sunday morning, uh, with the, with the baby, let my wife sleep in a bit. And then she returned the favor after I made her some waffles for breakfast. So, uh, we got a good thing going on at the Horton household. My eyes are burning today though, which means it was a busy weekend, which often means it was a fun weekend. And indeed that's the case. All right. I want to start each and every day out a little differently going forward. I, I decided to do, uh, this day in sports history to get us going each and every day just to pay tribute to the sports that have been and uh, to those that may have been born on, on this day. And so today's first inaugural, This Day in Sports History, we go back to 1980. The Sixers and the Lakers are taking each other on in the NBA Finals. This is Game 4. The Sixers won the game 105-102 and brought the series tied to two games apiece but lost the next two to the Lakers, who took the series in six games. But this now very famous play from Dr. J going baseline, scoop up and under the basket, features a very familiar voice to Utah Jazz fans. Check it out. It's 89-84. Sixers, and they get inside. And unbelievable. Julius Irving hit it, hanging underneath. He was trapped, and he still got the field goal. And West at seven. Yeah. Now, that is skill. Now, I'll say about that. 
hot on the Lakers side of the call. There's the uh, radio analyst, TV analyst, and the Sixers uh, call with Julius Irving, Dr. J, with the baseline scoop up and under play. It's an incredible feat of athleticism. I love that play. That took place today, May 11, 1980. Also born today in 1989, Cam Newton. Happy birthday, Cam Newton, born in Atlanta. Uh, He's won a Heisman Trophy and a national championship with Auburn and was the 2015 NFL MVP with the Carolina Panthers. However, right now he is jobless. But happy birthday to Cam Newton nonetheless. All right, let's get going. It is time to start things here on an EP podcast. We've got college basketball. We've got NFL news. We've got baseball making some some news. And, uh, of course, the Utah Jazz. And that's where we're going to start today right now is with the Utah Jazz. Last week, Dennis Lindsay, Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Utah Jazz, went through a media availability session or two, including uh, joining the big show. And you can check that out in its entirety at 1280thezone.com. But during his uh, wide availability with reporters, he was talking about when the Jazz had planned on reopening their practice facilities, uh, and specifically Zion's Bank Basketball Campus. Uh, The NBA cleared that way uh, last Friday, May 8th, and Dennis Lindsay said the Jazz were going to take a few extra days to make sure and double-check that everything was clean and sanitary and the proper precautions and protections were in place before welcoming the team back. Uh, Sam Amico of the Sports Illustrated NBA Beat uh, noted that in that call, Dennis Lindsay told reporters, that uh, they were looking to open the practice facility sometime after the weekend. Well, today is Monday. That's after the weekend. So I would anticipate that sometime in the very near future, uh, it might be today, it might be another day, but I would I would expect very near future the Utah Jazz to start returning to the practice facility. And that is really good news. And it's really easy to over-excite uh, yourself about that news. Now, let me explain what I'm talking about. It's really good news because it's been over two months, well, it's been two months today since the March 11th game against the Oklahoma City Thunder that never was, when, of course, uh, Rudy Gobert was uh, positive, tested positive for COVID-19, later Donovan Mitchell. Emmanuel Moutier was sick that night, but his test results were negative. Uh, but that, that put the sports world and the world in general on a hold right there two months ago today. Uh, it feels like it was two years ago to be frank and honest with you. Uh, While at the same time, it has kind of flown by, if that makes any sense at all, it's this really weird twilight zone we're living in where time is just standing still, but the days just fly on by. Like It feels like I've grown uh, 20 years older during these two months, and yet it totally makes sense to me that it's only been two months if that if that at all makes any sense i probably need medication because i'm not making any sense at all but uh good news that uh, within two months time the virus has been contained or controlled or avoided to a degree that uh, the facilities around the nba can reopen in limited capacity now some of the rules include only four players in and at a time. They have to be individual workouts. They have to have their own basket. Uh, they can't interact with one another. They still have to observe the six-foot social distance uh, recommendation from the CDC. So, and that uh, that is, I think, all fine and well. The idea behind this is not uh, to get everyone back in the facility and 
get them going 100% again. In fact, I'm not I'm not sure how many of the Jazz players are in town and will participate in the uh, open facility when that takes place. Uh, I don't know how many of them have their own gyms or their own hoops or their own uh, s- situation. I know a, I know a friend who uh, is a celebrity and he has a personal trainer come to his home so that he doesn't have to worry about going to a facility anywhere. Maybe some of them have that situation going on. Uh, but gyms across Utah are reopened. Uh, I've I'm not I'm not comfortable going in one as of right now, but that doesn't mean I shame anyone that does. I just I'm you know me I, I'm a germaphobe, and sweating near and around other people right now does not seem like a great idea to me. Uh, it doesn't feel like uh, I would be comfortable now. The way the NBA has this set up for in particular, where they're completely apart, away from anyone else, I might get on board with something like that. But with gyms reopening up to the public. What the NBA doesn't want is their players going to a public gym rather than a private gym that the team owns and can facilitate them with proper security, proper protections, and proper equipment and training, albeit from a distance. Uh, and so there, there, there's what it is. That, that the, the good news is that it's back, it's open, they can return, they can participate there if they want to. Chris Paul uh, was worried on the players' call with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver on Friday. He had a concern that he voiced that the, there might be some teams pressuring players to get back into the gyms. And that is you cannot require uh, or pressure any player to return to the team facility at this time. It's, it's just not happening. And in a moment, we'll talk about some CBA news and how that might play into that. But uh, So Chris Paul voiced that concern. Adam Silver said he was going to make sure no team was pressuring any player to return, and I promise the Jazz are not uh, erring in that way. They are not pressuring anyone. This is simply going to be, once the team facility is reopened, this is simply going to be an open invitation to any team personnel that would like to go work out in the proper way. Uh, And so that's good news. It's not the most amazing news in the world in that this does not indicate games are closer to returning. Well, and that's not true. I think it is progress towards games returning, but that does not mean their return is imminent, if that makes sense. And Sam Amick of The Athletic joins the Big Show every Thursday for the NBA Daily Assist at 4 o'clock, if you want to tune into that. And he, uh, I thought he laid it out well, that while this is good news, this is just a baby step in the right direction. Sam Amick from The Athletic. This is not the return of NBA practices. This is a one-player, one-basket rule. Individual workouts, not only individual workouts, but voluntary. You are not allowed to ask your players to return. You simply provide them a place to go if they choose to go. I probably haven't moved much thinking that if I was a betting man that I would still err on the side of them having a playoff. Fingers crossed, if this current trend continues in terms of the virus, then it leaves the door open for the NBA to return. Now, if there's a spike, which is very possible, it's a game changer. There you go, Sam Amick of The Athletic talking there about, uh, yes, this is the players are able to return to the facilities around the NBA. This does not mean that games are being put on a schedule of any sort. This is just a necessity to make sure the NBA players have somewhere official to work out and train in rather than heading down to the the 24-hour gym on the corner. So there you go. That's the first stop on today's Monday edition of the EP podcast. But before we leave the NBA topic, 
the, the NBA, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, has reached an agreement with the NBA Players Association to extend until September the 60-day window that preserves the league's right to terminate the collective bargaining agreement in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. Meaning they, they'll push the back the deadline, uh, and that allows for the NBA and union to gather a clearer picture of exactly what kind of economic losses they're going to experience and then bargain on a number of crucial financial issues. So the NBA could have just axed the thing right now and said, nope, that's it. But that's not good business. That's going to cause a, a longer delay and a longer closeout and a longer lockout, even when things return. And so instead, in good faith, they extended this deadline for another two months to go ahead and see just exactly what kind of financial losses they'll have to be dealing with and then adjust the salary cap and, and, and uh, the, the pay scale accordingly when that picture becomes even more clear. They might have games in those 60 days. Who knows? Uh, let's pray and cross our fingers and uh, hope to the Vishnu that they do have games in the next 60 days. Uh, but if they don't, it at least extends the uh, idea to the 60 days before they'll cancel the CBA or any part therein. All right, that's stop one. Let's head on over from the NBA to college basketball now. In the least bit of shocking news that was ever produced or written, Zion Williamson has been called out by a former representative, a former marketing representative and her company, uh, wanting him to admit and, and make claim to the fact that they are accusing him of that he and his family demanded, accepted, and received improper benefits, including payment, from Duke University for the time he was uh, in order to sign and play college, his college basketball with the Blue Devils. Uh, attorneys representing Zion Williamson's uh, former marketing representative and her company have asked the Pelican Star to admit that his mother and stepfather demanded and received gifts, like we talked about, uh, from persons acting on behalf of Adidas and Nike, and also people associated with Duke, in order to influence him to sign with the Blue Devils and to wear Nike or Adidas products. Williamson, he played one season at Duke before he was the number one pick in last year's NBA draft. He openly sued Gina Ford and Prime Sports last June in an attempt to terminate his marketing agreement with her company. His attorneys claim the contract was in violation of North Carolina's Uniform Athlete Agents Act because Prime Sports is not certified by the NBAPA, or, nor is, is it a registered athlete agent in North Carolina or Florida. However, Ford and Prime Sports Marketing sued Williamson and Creative Arts Agency and two of its employees in Florida court, alleging CAA interfered with Prime Sports' deal with Williamson and that he breached their five-year contract. That lawsuit seeks $100 million in punitive damages. Uh, essentially, what this, what this said in Miami-Dade County Court last week, Ford's attorneys asked Williamson to admit that several statements were true, including Sharonda Sampson, his mom, and Lee Anderson, his stepdad, demanded and received gifts and economic benefits from persons acting on behalf of Duke to influence him to attend Duke to play basketball. Also, that Sampson and Anderson demanded and received gifts, money, and or other benefits from persons on behalf of Nike to attend Duke, and the same for Adidas, to wear shoes from Adidas. And also before becoming a student at Duke, Williamson or persons acting on his behalf 
including his parents but not limited to them, accepted benefits from an NCAA certified agent that are not expressly permitted by the NCAA legislation. That the, that happening, they claim, between January 1 of 2014 and April 14 of 2019. Of course, you'll recall from the uh, FBI investigation and eventual trial that last year, or during, actually, I guess it was 2018 when that happened, there was a transcript uh, of a call which was read in court by defense attorney Mark Moore. Uh, and and the, between these uh, two, uh, Curtis Townsend, Kansas assistant, and Merle Code, consultant for Adidas, were talking about what it would take to get Williamson to sign with their team. And according to that transcript, Townsend, the assistant at Kansas, told Code, the consultant for Adidas, quote, hey, but between me and you, you know, his stepfather asked about some stuff, you know, and I said, well, we'll talk about that after you decide. And then Mr. Code said, I know what he's asking for. He's asking for opportunities from an occupational perspective. He's asking for money in the pocket, and he's asking for housing for him and the family. And they go on to talk, and Mr. Townsend says, so I've got to just try to work and figure out a way, because if that's what it takes to get him for 10 months, we're going to have to do it some way. Close quote. Uh, that was Kansas. We told you on Friday how Kansas is denying that they had any knowledge of any of this going on, and that it was a, a, a rogue individual acting uh, in his own way, and that the uh, Adidas and or Nike and whoever else were the egregious, egregious, were the uh, aggressors against the rules, not Kansas. Okay, whatever. Well, if Kansas is doing it and can't get enough to get Duke, uh, to get uh, Zion, he ends up at Duke. Are you sitting here and telling me that Duke just gave him nothing except, hey, we're Duke? Come on now. Come on. We're brighter and smarter than that. There is so much smoke there's got to be a fire. Is it a big bonfire? I don't know. The truth is always, almost always, 99% of the time, somewhere between eh and eh. It's somewhere in the middle. But even if there's a shred of truth, Zion broke the rules, albeit dumb as they are, in my opinion. Well, dumb being it makes it illegal to do these types of things. I think he, sh he and other players should be able to be paid and receive housing and other things for their family. That while they're making the schools and universities millions of dollars, but that's just me. Uh, but they're not. It's against the rules. It's against the law. And there will be trouble that comes from that. So they'll fight it out in court. What will happen is there will eventually be a settlement and no one will ever serve any jail time or anything like that. Uh, so anyway, there's a bit of news. Zion Williamson, in the least shocking bit of news, he may have taken improper benefits to go to Duke. What? What? No. Say it ain't so. It's so everywhere. Everywhere. Your team does it too. All right. Two more quick little stories to get to. NFL announcement coming from ESPN. Changes in the Monday Night Football booth. Booger McFarland and uh, Joe Tessitore out as play-by-play -play and sideline analyst uh, for the ESPN broadcast. Not a big fan of Booger McFarland. Uh, not the person, but the analyst. I, I don't find him entertaining or insightful in the least. I do like Joe Tessitore, though. That surprised me to see Joe Tessitore uh, getting the boot out of the uh, Monday Night Football booth for ESPN. They should never have taken that thing off ABC back in the '90s, anyway. That that should have. St that was. I, I I was obsessed with Monday Night Football, and I'm not alone. I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast was as well. 
but I, I would rush home from school after thinking about it all day long to sit down in front of the TV on a Monday night and watch some NFL. That changed as soon as it went to ESPN. Uh, they, they should never have done that. Should have been left on ABC primetime, but nevertheless, they did. I don't know who's in line to be the next play-by-play guy. If they're moving on from Tessator, that tells me they've got someone in mind that'll be a good move for that person, hopefully. Booger McFarland, like I said, he's not good. He's better as a studio host or talk show host rather than a sideline analyst. But my favorite part of Booger McFarland's stay on Monday Night Football was that Boogermobile, the, the thing that they drove back and forth, kind of like on a TV camera boom, a tractor boom. But he sat up there on a platform and f- with a table and a chair and faced the field. And on the back of the mobile, behind his back, facing the crowd, was a giant screen TV showing the game, the broadcast of the game. And that was because it was so big that it was blocking people's views of the field. And they pay prime money for those seats to be down on the front rows right there on the line of scrimmage, and he's blocking their view. So, and it costs like a hundred grand that that uh, booger mobile. So they they uh, they got rid of that along with Booger McFarland on ESPN's Monday Night Football broadcast. All right, and then finally, this before we get to Military Monday, my favorite play in baseball and sports history happened during. Uh, it didn't officially show up in any box score uh, or or any stat stat book any ever ever. But Trevor Bauer, in his final moments as a Cleveland Indians pitcher, gave up a surrendered a home run, got a ball from the umpire, and whirled around and hucked it over the center field wall. Absolutely just, it's the greatest physical feat in sports history. You go ahead and try that. It's not going to happen. He was then eventually a couple days later, or a couple weeks later maybe, traded to the Cincinnati Reds, and he's currently a pitcher for the Reds when things resume. Well, he joined ESPN uh, uh, for a a, a segment uh, on TV this week, or late last week, and they put him up there on a Zoom call or whatever it was, right there on the TV. It was he and Jessica Mendoza and someone else I can't remember. And they forgot to crop out... It's a FaceTime, I should say. They forgot to crop out the, his phone number at the top of the FaceTime. There's his phone number right there for the world to see on national television, international television, on ESPN Live. Uh, and he made he had some fun with it. He said since they leaked his number, he gave everyone 48 hours to call his voicemail and figure out the rules, uh, and he would give away a signed pair of cleats and a baseball. While the 48 hours are up, uh, the phone number now is not listed to anybody. He's changed his number, which pro athletes change their number quite often all the time anyway. But this was a pretty bad mess up by ESPN making Trevor Bauer go through the annoying process of having to change your phone number and get in touch with everyone that has your number and make sure that you've got all your numbers ported over to your new phone. Awful. But pretty funny, and it seems like he handled it pretty well. <laughs> Today's Military Monday moment comes to us courtesy of 75 years ago. 75 years ago last Friday was Victory in Europe Day, or VE Day. 
uh, as the Nazi Germany uh, rend- uh, issued their unconditional surrender to the Allied forces. Now the uh, war did not completely come to an end until later that year, as you'll hear in this clip from the Today Show. But I wanted to take a moment today on a Military Monday and uh, pay tribute to the greatest generation, as they've been called, uh, who uh, celebrated that day. This is, again, from the Today Show, this bit of audio you're going to hear. And I like that one of the guys, uh, Soldier Grassy, talks about how the conflict then is now kind of facing us again with this COVID and coronavirus pandemic. Here you go, a bit of news from the Today Show, celebrating 75 years since Victory in Europe Day. Every man, woman, and child is in action. World War II. Perhaps it's not too much of an exaggeration to suggest all of America's hearts beat as one. It is for victory. I want to tell you something that Roosevelt said just prior to our all enlisting to get into the Army, Air Corps, the Navy, the Marines, wherever. Paul Grassi was with the 8th Army Air Force. There is a mysterious cycle in human events. To some generations, much is given. Of other generations, much is expected. This generation of Americans has a rendezvous with destiny. He was right, but I didn't know we were going to get hit again with this thing that we're going through. I think that generation had faith. I'm not speaking of religious faith, but I'm speaking of faith in the country, in the rightness of the cause, faith in each other. Rob Satino is a senior historian at the World War II Museum in New Orleans. You know, there was a propaganda poster at the time, you've seen it, of Rosie the Riveter, we're all in this together. I think Americans legitimately felt we were all in it together. We thought it was extremely important because we were out to save the world. These men know they fought there, in the air, on the land, and on the sea. Ed Kalinske tried to join the Navy, but was turned away. Poor eyesight. Uh, It made me fearsome that I would be rejected. The Army Air Force welcomed him. They were fairly desperate. (laughs) They took me glasses and all. Determined young men take the oath of enlistment in the Navy. Drafted or enlisted, all knew the stakes. As high as they come. Without the United States on the ground or involved in some way, the Europe we know now would not exist. By the Europe we know now, I mean liberal democracies, open societies, many of which took their inspiration from their American occupier after World War II. Ken Beckman was with the 8th Army Air Force. Without the Air Force, uh, the invasion would have been a real tough nut to crack. The action was brutal. U.S. bombers took extremely heavy casualties on the beachheads and on the ground. From Anzio to D-Day and the Battle of the Bulge, men died by the tens of thousands. The Allies have announced that the Germans have surrendered unconditionally. The war in Europe is over. Navy man Peter Orlando knew just what to do. He asked permission to go ashore, to attend mass, he said. My buddy and I jumped the truck and went to Paris. And uh, we had the time of our life. I came back to the ship two days later and I'm going up the gangplank and the comm officer's leaning on the gunnel and he said, how was mass? 
and I'll never forget it. Army mortar man Vern Aller had taken refuge in a castle in Belgium. Somebody had a little radio going, and they said the war was over. Long live the cause of freedom. I broke into a tears. I was crying like a baby. The war was over. In Europe, yes, but Japan would not surrender until August. Yet victory was in reach for a people with a common goal and a common purpose. You know, they describe the folks like you as the greatest generation. I have read the book, yes. Is it apt? Uh, greatness is thrust upon you. The difference between today and then is that we need to be together against the virus. In uh, World War II, we won that war in three and a half years. And we got to rebuild America. This is what we have to do right now. Everybody to get back in business. That's going to do it for a Military Monday edition of the EP Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Once again, I'm Austin Horton. If you know someone who would be a good subject to interview and spotlight for a Military Monday, please let me know, austin.horton at 1280thezone.com. Would love to feature your friends, family, and loved ones or yourself on a Military Monday. That'll do it. We'll see you on a Top 10 Tuesday tomorrow. Until then, as always, please... Be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. (laughs) This happened yesterday. I put on my workout clothes and I did not work out. That's basically playing dress up. I I might as well put a cowboy outfit on because I didn't do any cowboy stuff either. This is what I did for a workout a couple weeks ago. I walked. I used to run. Now I walk at some point. I guess I'm going to (laughs) stand. What'd you do at the gym today, Greg? I stood for 30 minutes. It was, it was tough. I, I shifted every four, so I'm tired. I'm probably going to have to lean tomorrow. I, <laughs> I never realized I walked that frequently until I left my house. My neighbor goes, hey, Greg, are you going for your walk? He called it my walk like I was 86. No, Rich, I'm not going for my walk, okay? I didn't just take my pills either, and I'm not getting ready to watch my stories. <laughs> Last time I tried to run, I went, I went to this park. I thought I was gonna go on like a four mile loop. I thought I would start here, I would go around, I would finish at the same place. I got about five miles out and it was not looping. Like, <laughs> I had to turn around and come back. They had these emergency call boxes every quarter of a mile. I wanted to call one. Emergency call box, what's your emergency? Uh, I'm tired. <laughs> I thought that it was a loop. Can you guys come pick me up? Sir, this is for emergencies only. Do you have an emergency? Yeah, I'm thirsty. I should have said that first. Can can you guys bring some Gatorade when you pick me up? Like orange, I would prefer orange if you could. I used to run, really, I ran. I ran ran cross country in high school. That's, uh, yeah, that's not what I would call a fun sport at all. Here's what you do, run. That's it, that's it. We, we had a coach, I don't know why. Uh, his job every day was basically to say, go. <laughs> they knew that it wasn't a good sport because they came up with a fake name for it. They called it cross country. It should have been called running. 
they were hoping people would be like, oh, cross country. That sounds like we'll be going places. You're not going anywhere. You're going to a park about a mile from your high school. You're just gonna run around that park for about four months. And you know how you're gonna get to the park? Run, you're gonna run there. There's nothing more depressing than having to run somewhere so you can run. Oh, I'm really glad we're done running. Now we can run. You're not gonna cross the country. It's 2,800 miles to cross this country. Now here's the thing, you're gonna run all 2,800 miles, but it's gonna be in that park over and over and over. There's blades of grass you'll become familiar with. Hey, Luther, how you doing there? Nice to see you. It's just running, it's running. They try to make it like there's other stuff. They make a big deal out of stretching. Stretching's real important, guys. You don't stretch, you could get hurt. How? Hurt, hurt enough where I don't have to run? I'm starting to see an angle here. Greg, we're doing the hurdler stretch. I can't hurdle. If I could hurdle, I'd hurdle that fence right there and you would never see me ever again.